1: Our sidekicks and henchmen out there in the Geek Nation, you're listening to spoiler alert. I'm Johnny Destructo, and with me this week uh is not Noel or Rob Patey or Mark underscore L underscore Miller because I don't know, they're being lame and doing other stuff that's not this. And uh it is my wife and I's my wife my wife and me, me and my wife's <laughs> third year wedding anniversary. So I thought, what better way to celebrate than to have her come on <laughs> this dumbass show and talk about some comics from this week. So, uh, Sly, hi. Hi. Yeah, it's been a long time. We used to do Pop-Tards way back in the day with Uncle, Drunk, Uncle Dunkle Nuts. We did. Yeah. yeah, we talked about <laughs> movies and comics and all sorts of stuff, and then that fell apart as things in life do. Um, but I'm very happy to have you back on the show.
0: Me too. Yeah. It's been a long time. <laughs> uh, so we're not going to do
1: any emails or voicemails this week because uh, we got to get... You know, to celebrate in our anniversary, if you know what I'm saying. Honk honk wink wink. Sorry. <laughs> um, don't look at me like that.
0: Nope.
1: You know what you got into. <laughs> so, uh let's see. We're gonna start off with I don't know, pick one.
0: Let's do them in order of favorite. My pers- my favorite. Oh, okay. <laughs> Top of
1: the stack. What do you do? Um
0: well, actually I'm doing I'm building up to the favorite. Oh oh bottom of the uh, stack. Yeah, sorry. Um so sadly I know how much you love Spider Man, but the amazing
1: Spider Man was Still great,
0: but my least favorite of the, the ones The three read. that you
1: read this week. Yes. Yeah. So, all right. Amazing Spider-Man number six by Nick Spencer and Humberto Ramos. And uh, let's see. What does Marvel have to say about Amazing Spider-Man number six? Wondering when Boomerang's status as Spider-Man's roommate would blow up? Yeah, it's this issue. Uh-oh. So basically the first story arc by nick spencer and ryan otley uh which i thought was just a bucket of fun uh a super blast is over and now we're on to the next story called date night uh well no it's not called date night the cover says date night the inside cover says a trivial pursuit part one and this is um yeah they switched artists so it looks like Um, Ryan Otley from Invincible who's been doing the last five issues of this and Humberto Ramos are going to be switching on and off which is fine I just love Ryan Otley's art so much that I'm kind of sad that he's not here but the kind of cool thing that happens in here is not only do you have Humberto Ramos on main story pencils but uh, What's His Nuts shows up from Mm. another series that used to be one of my favorites and that was Steve Lieber who, you probably never read it, Sly, but years ago, there was a miniseries called The Superior Foes of Spider-Man. And it was Nick Spencer, the writer of this book, kind of just spending time with a lot of the shitty super or Spider-Man villains. So they have their own little villain club, and it's basically them just fucking around. But I thought it was really funny. So, that was, even though I didn't like Secret Empire, which Nick Spencer wrote last year, I was happy that he was going to be writing Spider-Man just because of what his, he did on that Superior Foes of Spider-Man miniseries. So uh, we actually get that team back together here for a flashback, which I thought was really cool. Now, what what about it didn't you like?
0: I, thought it was, I actually thought it was a lot of fun. I just liked the... Uh... The other things you made me read better. <laughs> I, I feel like we've reach, reached a very lucky uh, week for me, at least, because you gave me things that didn't bore me, so that's always good. <laughs> yeah. um, but, no, I thought this was a lot of fun. Um, I haven't caught up with these characters. I, I definitely read more indie than superheroes. Um, I, You know, I'm one of those that uh, can't always be down with the superheroes. Like, I, the extremeness of um, just that kind of ability doesn't necessarily appeal to me in story. Mm-hmm. Although JD has a way of picking things that I like so that, um, I can, so you're not I can miserable. be, <laughs> so I'm not miserable yeah. and I can be involved. Even from like the first few pages. Um, I like that black aunt showed up and like, was just like, there was a lot of humor in this mm-hmm. that I thought was just like, it was a good balance. I mean, there's some pretty brutal things right from the beginning. Um, and it was an interesting mix of humor and brutality. Um, yeah, man
1: is dropped to his death. Yeah, yeah. just while like while the villains are laughing whoops, about it. Yeah, just... so Black Ant, the kind of, the cool thing about Black Ant is that he at one point was called the irredeemable Ant Man. So you know the Ant Man from the the films and all that sort of stuff is one character, but then uh, this guy who was really a lazy and shitty Shield operative, he winds up finding and stealing Ant-Man's armor and then becoming Ant-Man. But he uses it to shrink down and, like, spy on female S.H.I.E.L.D. agents while they're taking a shower and stuff like that. So it's, it's not really a surprise that he became a villain. So mm-hmm. he, he and um, Taskmaster are um, working together as mercenaries right now.
0: I was going to ask you about him, because I'm like, uh, he's not the Ant-Man that I know. No, no, <laughs> so, no, And there, yeah, I was like, and I was confused by that for just a second, because I'm like, that's Ant-Man, why didn't he save the guy from plummeting into his mm-hmm. death, and that makes so much more sense now. Yeah, and then we're introduced to Fred, who is wearing a Captain America t-shirt, mm-hmm. which I thought was very fun for a villain as well. I like, I just love like little little nods of all that.
1: Um. So for people who don't know what's going on in ASM right now, uh, Fred is the boomerang. He's boomerang, not the boomerang. Boomerang, who is a sort of C-list, D-list level Spider-Man villain. And um, Nick Spencer, when he took over the book, revealed that uh, he and Fred and um, uh, another fella are roommates. um, Randy. Randy, who is... Robert Robertson's son. So they're roommates together. Which is kind of fun to have your, your, one of your villains be your roommate.
0: Sorry, I was distracted for a minute. There's a few, I noticed there's a few images throughout where like, Peter has no mouth, almost. <laughs> he, I find that so distracting. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I feel about that. I think,
1: um, I, think, I think it's just supposed to show that he's pursing his lips.
0: Totally, yeah. yeah. But
1: there's So like, much that there's only just a little squiggle for a, for a lip. Really
0: trying to hold it in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought there was, uh, I didn't realize they would bring in, um, I did not read the storyline so far um, where Hydra took over. Oh,
1: no, you don't have to. Okay. Don't, you, everyone skip that one. Okay. Secret Empire, as that see that was the one, quote unquote Hydra Cap. Yes. Do you remember there was oh, a, a bunch I of hubbub? I remember the
0: hype. Yes. Yeah, there was yeah, a bunch totally. of hubbub
1: last uh, maybe a year and a year and a half, two years ago, where Hydra Cap was a version of Captain America who had always been a Hydra agent, and he was sort of like working towards taking over the United States, and he winds up doing that. And that was what Secret Empire was, and that was the culmination of that story, which was also by Nick Spencer.
0: Ah, okay. So
1: it's not a surprise that it's mentioned in here, but I feel like most people want to forget that event. It was a really neat idea, and then I I felt that the execution, uh, from a writing standpoint, there was a lot of battles happening with voiceovers going on, on top of the battles. No, and it was which i felt made it difficult to uh, rope the viewer into the story and make them a part of it it was really just you're kind of like watching things happen from far away right yeah.
0: um, i like what they did with it story wise though still they, i think they t- brought it up just enough mm-hmm. um, you know and for me like to catch somebody like me up who hasn't didn't follow yeah. You know, that whole storyline. But I found it interesting because I think even so much in our own media, like, bad things will happen. It's like, oh, no, we're just going to start fresh. We're just mm. going to forget about that yeah. like, and and keep moving forward. Uh.
1: <laughs> yeah, and now we've got Kingpin as the mayor of New York, which is weird. Art imitates life. Yeah. Um. yeah. <laughs> I feel like you're definitely making uh, a point there.
0: But I do like it um, kind of moving through the book. I love um just what you touched on earlier uh regarding the uh they kind of their poker playing and everything. I had a weird thing. I had to stop um where I was reading and uh walk up to JD as he was drawing and be like, "Is this on purpose?" Is this is this on
1: purpose? So <laughs> anybody so if you guys are listening uh the one listener um the issue of Amazing Spider-Man that we're talking about, flip through it. Is there a printing error during the poker scene with the superior foes of spider-man because uh on ours everything got really really light and very difficult to read so i was just curious if that was just in this particular issue or if everyone had that problem throughout the print run but yeah we have a nice little poker scene between all of those shitty uh, spider-man villains which is drawn by steve lieber which is really cool i thought that was a really nice little touch to get him back on uh the book
0: Oh, Yeah, I yeah, the art is totally different. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, Oh, look at that. Um, I love that. Um, I, you know, I'm not sadly overly familiar with these characters, but how apparently Boomerang and Shocker had to go to couples therapy to work stuff out. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, Oh, I'm like, that's kind of yeah, it's cute. and and touching on you know, um, Heroes in Crisis as well, that whole idea of like how useful therapy can be uh, mm-hmm. hopefully <laughs> so hopefully like how, yeah. hopefully <laughs> yeah
1: so basically the gist of this issue there's there's not anything crazy going on basically uh, fred the um, boomerang um ropes peter parker into going to quizzo night at the bar with no name which is marvel's supervillain bar so it's basically this no man's land where people can go in as villains uh, of course, in full, you know, regalia, full costume. And it's a safe haven. So no one's allowed to fight with each other inside the bar with no name. That's sort of the unwritten rule. And they have a S- Spider-Man quizzo night. And so when Fred finds out that Peter is was basically Spider-Man's quote-unquote best friend, he did a whole book on him, all this other stuff. He used to be his photographer. He ropes him in to... Um, to, to win at Quizzo night, which I thought was really cute. And then by the end, um, there's also this subplot where the Kingpin is trying to deal with Boomerang and the Boomerang um, uh, kind of just like gives him the finger, flips him off. Mm-hmm. And so Kingpin basically sends a message to everyone in that bar to take down Boomerang for a certain amount of money. And that's where we're kind of left off is every all these other villains kind of looking at Boomerang and Peter kind of uh with you know dollar signs in their eyes
0: i'm so curious if they'll bring it up again um why fist people knew to call pete's phone because mm-hmm. boomerang had stolen it i mean he grabbed his phone and they called him yeah through there i'm like do they you don't know yet in the storyline if they know that he's spider-man no or no just, it's just no that no that are... is
1: just that Kingpin seems to have eyes everywhere Ah. and just...
0: Well, I'm sure in that scene, too, he really stands out because he's the only one not in a costume. Yes. Right? So, okay. Got it. I I relate to Pete so much um, in his struggle to keep quiet and... uh, like clearly judging Boomerang, and like while well, everybody around him is just like, "Oh no, like we've moved on." He's, mm-hmm. He seems fine, and you know when you have that those gut instincts about a particular person, and just mm-hmm. nobody is there with you. And yeah, <laughs> it's like, well, oh. there's an interesting
1: point there because he's having this conversation in the kitchen um, with um, Randy. Randy, God, I keep forgetting his name. He's been around forever, and I always forget his name. Um, with Randy Robertson. About um, how he's an ex-villain. So it's not a secret that he was a villain, but he's been pardoned by Wilson Fisk, mayor of New York. So everything should be on the up and up and Randy brings up, but like m- half of the Avengers are ex-villains, right? Uh, which is kind of cool because like, you know, you got Black Widow, you got Hawkeye, so on and so mm-hmm. forth. So I thought that was a nice little point. Yeah, like yeah. everybody has a past kind of yeah. thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah, I, I thought that the uh, the bar scene is just like again, just very fun. I like how they bring up. Um, I like... there was one panel about panel about the bar starting by the like like the devil himself found yeah. it. And I'm like, oh, that goes way back. That's okay. just uh, <laughs> yeah, but he, he
1: says something like, that's just a myth. It was probably right. just during the prohibition era, right? Yeah.
0: And I love what they did with the artwork in those panels. Of um, yeah, it's very it's like kind of rougher lines in the in the devil part, and then mm-hmm. a little bit like progressively getting cleaner as you get to modern times Mm -hmm. i really really love the um the panel though that's supposed to be from um the depression yeah it's it's really well done
1: yeah and the color is so humberto ramos made it very sketchy uh, a little bit messy and then the colorist sort of laid a sepia tone overlay uh, on the whole thing to kind of mute all the colors and everything to make it very clear that it's a flashback yeah, very cool. So the thing about this is that there's nothing crazy going on in um, Amazing Spider-Man. Nick Spencer's, there's there's nothing gigantic and crazy and world-shattering happening. It's just very much a return to classic Spidey comics, which I really appreciate. Because, you know, I just feel like there's always a big event happening. Um It gets kind of tiresome after a while. And everyone's always like, well, just write good comics. Just write fun comics. And I think that's exactly what Nick Spencer is doing here. So if anyone hasn't been reading this and they were a little nervous about Nick Spencer writing it because of the Hydrocap thing, I would say jump back into this. I think it's a lot of fun. And you don't really need to read any other books. You can just be reading this and be totally fine. You don't need other books to understand it.
0: One thing um, – so J.D. and I went to dinner – Prior to uh, to get a few notes in before talking and recording, but um, you had brought up to me the um how Mary Jane how they're bringing Mary Jane back yeah. and that was kind of like you don't know quite what they're doing and she's barely utilized in this and I was kind mm-hmm. of wondering that too it's like oh okay nice minute in you know for.
1: Yeah, I think that reasons. was just for fan service. People who ah. are upset that they aren't together. Now they're back together. La-di-da. I don't care. I don't think they need to be together. I would rather read... I really like love triangles in my comics and stories. Um, I had 20 <laughs> years of him happily married to mm-hmm. MJ. And by happily married, I mean they're in love, but then he's constantly risking his life. So she's constantly watching him swing off into the stormy night while she just, you know, looks out the window forlornly and upset that he might get hurt. And it's like, there's 20 years of that. I'm fine with, you know, changing it up some. So, and they went through such a big process and pissed off a lot of people to get them, get their marriage undone. And now they're just like, well, now they're back together. Cool. So I don't know. I feel like it's a step backwards.
0: Since I haven't followed them all throughout that, do you yeah. feel like they're, like, they had, like, a good, tangible love story? Or, or like, if it's just the repetition yeah. of that, that, okay.
1: Yeah, they did yeah, back then. in the day.
0: Okay. But all now right. that's
1: over. And now it's just sort of, They're okay. making out on a couch. No, they're just making out <laughs> on couches. Yeah, that's kind of it. Okay. Yeah, there's, there's no real meat to the relationship other than we used to be in love and we're still kind of in love. We, then we got separated and now we're kind of trying to make it work again.
0: I can't entirely tell how old Pete Pete? is supposed to be.
1: He's supposed to be in his mid, I would say 25, 26. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because he was probably in his early 30s by the time their marriage had wrapped up and by the time he made the deal with the devil, but it also kind of made him a little younger. Okay. Just for the sake of comic books. Because he
0: definitely... Seems younger than yeah. having gone through all of that already. Right. Yes, he's a little light, still a little lighter, still yes. angsty, <laughs> yeah. but still lighter than like the romantic trauma. You
1: yeah. Know? So, so anyway, that's your least favorite one. Yes. Well, but I
0: still like. I still want to keep reading.
1: Oh really? Oh totally. Yeah. Oh. It's
0: not. It's not by any means a deterrent of that. It was mm-hmm. just that.
1: Just from this week's offerings. Yes, from yeah. this week's offerings. Totally. Gotcha. So, what do you want to do? Heroes oh, in Crisis, or Blackbird? Heroes in Crisis.
0: You know what? I liked these two pretty equally for different reasons. Um, I, yeah, I thought this week's picks in there i know i I know good ones you did i know when you um you're you talk with the guys that you're you know you pick a lot more and talk a lot more and stuff Mm -hmm. like that but i like i said i appreciate that it's like oh these are
1: great yeah (laughs) we have stuff to talk about So, so heroes in crisis number one from dc comics it's issue one of nine by um tom king who is the writer of the current batman series and he's been doing that for about 55 issues now out of his 100 issue run uh, he pissed off a lot of people by making it seem like Catwoman and Batman were going to get married and then pulled the rug out from under them and said, nah, they're not going to do it. And um, Clay Man is the artist. And this is the best work. We, we touched on it last week because we had the issue in early. And so we didn't spoil anything, but we just kind of gave a cursory look at it and said, we really enjoyed this. You should pick it up. Um, but yeah, I said this last week, Clayman really drew the shit out of this book. I think it's gorgeous. And I really did like this a lot. It's very dark. If you are a DC reader or a comics reader and you don't like stories like, um, Identity Crisis, where it's sort of a murder mystery and things are very dark and they deal with kind of more real world issues, you're not going to like this. But when I heard that they were going to be doing this book and they started to introduce... Sanctuary, which is a sort of superhero, supervillain, PTSD, mental health, um, facility out in the middle of nowhere, I thought that was an amazing idea. Um, oh wait, let's see what DC has to say about it. There's a new kind of crisis threatening the heroes of the DC universe ripped from real world headlines by CIA operative turned comics writer Tom King. How does a superhero handle PTSD. Welcome to Sanctuary, an ultra-secret hospital for superheroes who've been traumatized by crime-fighting and cosmic combat. But something goes inexplicably wrong when many patients wind up dead, with two well-known operators as the prime suspects, Harley Quinn and Booster Gold. It's up to the DC trinity of Superman, Wonder Woman, and Batman to investigate, but can they get the job done in the face of overwhelming opposition? So, yeah, basically, he has taken some real-world stuff, like you know, um, he's an ex-CIA operative, agent, whatever you call him. And, you know, he was talking about how, you know, people in the military and in the government are constantly cycled through, you know, the PTSD and mental health organizations and stuff. And uh, he wanted to bring some of that real world quality to the DC universe. But then we're also dealing with Sort of what we have almost daily here in the United States now, which is a mass shooting, a mass murder, a mass killing. So uh, he's able to take these two things and build them together into one story, which I thought was just awesome. This first issue, I think it was the perfect sort of first issue for an event like this. I think it made us ask enough questions. It dropped enough um, mystery To make it interesting and make me really want to pick up the second issue and keep reading it. I feel like I'm not the biggest fan of his Batman stuff. I feel like there's peaks and valleys with that. But this is more in line with Tom King's Vision series and his Mr. Miracle series. Which I think are just A-plus comic books all the way through. So uh, I'm really into this. I'm seeing a lot of flack about this online because my Flash, Wally West, spoiler alert, is dead as well as a, a team of superheroes, a bunch of um younger superheroes who I don't really know of. Mm-hmm. I feel like they've been around here and there, but I'm not really aware of them. They didn't re- they never really made it onto Hot my Spot radar.
0: And, Blue Jay,
1: Blue Jay Hotspot and some other kids. And um uh oh, and Arsenal. Yes. Who um we were just talking about last week or the week before when um he was in Red Hood and the Outlaws. Arsenal was in that team as well. So, um, yeah, what, what did you think?
0: I thought this was great. I, you know, the cover's beautiful. As soon as you, like, the first panel, I, you know, I mentioned, it reminds me, there's something in the perspective of that almost reminds me of, like, something Norman Rockwell-esque. It has that very, except, you know, despite... A super hit hero Booster gold. Yeah. Yeah.
1: In his bright gold and blue costume. Right. It
0: still has that that just such an Americana feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, second panel in it's like <laughs> Harley Quinn staring at it's like, oh, this isn't gonna go well mm-hmm. at all. Um and I was like I was drawn in immediately. Mm-hmm. Um I had no idea where it was going. Um <laughs> Because it breaks it, you know, you, you see them meeting up and then... Uh, at the diner. At the diner, and then you get um, Harley Quinn's, I guess, um, basically intro to the sanctuary. Right? Yeah,
1: it's, it's basically one of those sort of, if you ever watch the real world, uh, a yes. confessional, yes. where sort of it's like just the viewer and the, um, the character, the character talking directly to the, the camera yeah we get we get those interspersed throughout from a, a bunch of different characters.
0: Which I like, and I think they um, between the artist and writer, they did a really good job of making each person's dilemma very individual. because mm-hmm. um, that you know that can when you're in a setting that's like mental health related, like you know you can very I think you know people come in with lots of different issues, but like to make each character so individual is, is what's gonna like add to this story in mm-hmm. the long run. Um,
1: And then it goes back and forth between, um, you know, sort of those confessionals at Sanctuary and the diner scene with Booster Gold and Harley Quinn, which goes south very, very, uh, very quickly. Very quickly. (laughs) Yeah, it's awesome. Also, there's some brutal stuff in here. I don't know Blue Jay. I literally have never seen that character in my life, Mm -hmm. but apparently his name is Blue Jay and he shrinks. And the first time we see him he's literally getting torn apart um at a tiny level by a crow it's disgusting
0: yeah and i his um kind of confessional really drew me and like just uh so when people feel like you know their life it's like it's so relatable mm-hmm. because you don't have to be a superhero to feel like there's times in life where you're shrinking and drowning mm-hmm. and and all of those things and it was just you know they're doing a great job of really. That, that's the struggle that I have, you know. Mm-hmm. And I've I've talked with JD about this before. Superheroes that are so powerful that they don't have conflict, yeah. um, and I love that's where the story is for me. I love to to hear all those very personal things. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a great intro for his character. So, but oh. Oh, it's so brutal. That crow. Yeah. Oh, my Just God. Just ripping him to pieces. Yeah.
1: But, yeah, I like what he says here. I go to sleep because he's losing uh, control of his powers. And he says, I go to sleep and I wake up small and I'll have sheets on top of me all over me like an ocean. I'll be drowning in my own bed, um, which I think is a really kind of beautiful um, use of imagery. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, man, she stabs him. Oh, she stabs <laughs> Booster Gold with a knife. And her expression her face mm-hmm. right
0: before she does it's just awesome. horrifying yeah. <laughs> but so well
1: done it's like oh
0: yeah she's gonna go she's gonna go the crazy way all right. it's like <laughs> if you were going to make a
1: t-shirt out of a Harley Quinn image that's kind of a perfect one it is to do absolutely yeah she's got a real look of you know um, maniacal danger about her which absolutely. I really like
0: yeah I love I love the faces I love mm-hmm. all the faces
1: yeah Pop Man um, not, I'm sorry Clay Man uh, he never really got on my radar before. He just sort of... And he may have always been this good, and I just never noticed. Mm. But, yeah, this is the first time, this is the first issue where I've gone, holy shit, this is this is that guy putting in work. He's really killing it.
0: But also, I mean, how much do you think that is a combination sometimes of just finding also the right writer for an artist? Yeah, the project that clicks. Yeah, the project that sure. clicks. So that, like, both can highlight their skills really well. Because, mm-hmm. you know, like... Not that I'm nearly as well-versed as you, you know, but, like, I I think I've caught some of that before where, like, a writer and artist will work amazingly together or or not, and it's like, you know, those times where you feel like, oh, there could have been so much more art or story, and it just, you know, it's so sad when it doesn't work out. How do they, do they get to, see, this is something I don't know as much of, but how often do they get to choose, or how often are they hired and, like, placed together?
1: that i you know honestly i feel like it's a myriad of different things, the different ways that that teams come together. I feel like if you're a certain writer, you get to pick your artist Mm. and you get to say, hey, I've got this idea. Here's the artist I'm bringing with me. If you're Brian Michael Bendis, you get to pick your artist, right? Uh, I'm wondering if Tom King is getting to that point now. He may already be because he's been writing, you know, one of their premier titles for the last 53 issues, you know, Batman, stuff like that. So his his star is definitely on the rise. I wonder if he's able to just say, hey, I'd like to do this series and I'd like Claim man to be my artist, or if they pick it for him. Honestly, I feel like it's different every time. You know, sometimes you get assigned your artist, and sometimes you get to pick them. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What is Booster's?
0: Power?
1: Okay, so Booster Gold.
0: <laughs> He's got a blue wave. Thing Booster going on, Gold. So. Ha-
1: his character is sort of a dumb jock from the future. Ah. Uh, he was okay. a football star in the in the very far future, and um he i believe he oh he threw a football game i believe and wounds up losing his career and he winds up being security at a superhero museum of like ancient ah. superheroes and so one night i think he decides to take a bunch of the technology that's in that museum and like a flight a legion legionnaire flight ring uh he's got a um what are those things called, a, um, a force field creator kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, so he's got, like, blasts on his wrists. He's able to, like, yes. fire these concussive blasts. Ah, okay. So, yeah, those are all technology from the future, and he decided to come into the past to be the world's greatest superhero because he knows, he knows what the future's going to be, mm-hmm. and he's got all these great trinkets that can help him fight crime. So he's gonna, he's, he came back for fame and and to become rich. Oh. But, of course, <laughs> as with time travel – once he got back here, he realized that time was changing. Because he's affecting the timeline. Yeah. Yeah. So, ah, okay. So that's kind of him. And so they've, they've done interesting things with Booster in the past where they made him sort of, uh, I want to say maybe five, six years ago, they were doing a thing where he was secretly going through time and fixing things. Um, he had been chosen to go through time and make these adjustments, hmm. but it was supposed to be a secret. So everyone... He was supposed to continue to act bumbling and stupid and all that other stuff, but in re- reality he was actually, like, really doing some good work. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like he's just kind of back to being bumbling now. I'm not 100% sure what they're doing with him, especially after this issue. I'm not sure. But-
0: yeah, for yeah, amongst the characters in this particular issue, like, you know, I know he's like a primary because, you know, he's like... You see him in, like, the first scene and everything, like, yeah. but I didn't care about that much about him yet yeah so not enough to sink into mm-hmm. but this I love this page um where they're just about to discover um the slaughter yeah basically and Superman has can already see it because you know of his vision abilities mm-hmm. but uh oh, it's just it's just so beautiful mm-hmm. That they did and it like and so dynamic for each individual character
1: yep yeah it's Batman Superman and uh Wonder Woman, the trilogy the big the Big Three, as they say, but yeah, so I mean, I also really like how Harley Quinn was written in this. She came across as smart as well as um insane mm-hmm. so uh most most often than not, I feel like she's used for laughs, and she's kind of a wonky, crazy character, whatever that
0: voice is, that's... yeah.
1: Um, which I mean, that was the voice. That was her original voice. She oh, yeah. was created for that cartoon, ah, and she became okay. so popular because of the cartoon that they wrote her into the main DC universe. Oh, it's not like okay. they took her from DC and made her into a cartoon. It was the it was the uh, vice versa. So, um, but yeah, I really like her voice in this quote unquote. I, I feel like she's very intelligent and well. Just knowing kind that she threat.
0: was a studied therapist um, prior mm-hmm. in her life before. Uh, I, I like when she sounds intelligent. I mean, I like yeah. when all female characters sound yeah, intelligent. Of yeah, of yeah. But, like, especially, you know, and especially when people go through trauma, she, she has these moments where she's it, it really outside of the craziness, craziness where she, it seems like she's really trying to work something out. Mm-hmm. And it's like the craziness is almost the protective mechanism, yeah. which is horrifying, <laughs> which mm-hmm. makes her so scary yeah. and dangerous. But... um. But, yeah, I feel like, you know, again, very human and relatable that people have crutches that they mm-hmm. go to when they feel vulnerable.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I, I thought this was really strong. It might be my favorite book of the week. I, I'm, I'm just really behind this. I think it's really good. And it's engaging and it's – I've got questions. <laughs> like, Kid Flash in, or not Kid Flash, Flash. The Wally West Flash and Arsenal are dead, quote unquote, um, which yeah. bums me out because I – love wally and they seemed like they were trying to figure him out as a character and uh now he's dead yeah i'm curious
0: why wally um what his confessional will be like yeah i can't wait to
1: see more of him in this Mm -hmm. yeah yes absolutely Uh, oh when i turned the page and i saw his his you know lifeless corpse yep so we're trying to figure out hey audience we're trying to figure out on the cover of this book there is Superman, and he's holding a golden mask and a bloody um, costume, and we're trying to figure out who that is. And we were flipping through it, and they show uh, when Superman shows up, and he he's got that really great panel of he's flying or he's hovering really far above the the farmhouse, and most of the panel is him using his um, microscopic vision to like zoom in basically right. mm-hmm. so we've got hotspot and um oh god i forget that guy's name in in the star uniform uh but there's a woman there and she's got that gold mask on and she's kind of wrapped in sort of a white shroud does anyone know who that is email us at colts pop go at com and let me know i don't know if that's a new character or if that's um someone who's been around a while
0: the thing that um in going back to this picture Um, the proximity of the bodies, like, it really makes them look like they were fighting. I mean, I know it's, like, you know, from an artistic perspective, it's a great way of, like, showing, like, how many people are involved. But also, like the proximity of the bodies is I was like, clearly they were like fighting mm-hmm. together against something. Something, yeah. yeah. And it's just like, you know, they're all like, they're close enough to have fallen on top of each other. Mm-hmm. And there's something really kind of heartbreaking about that.
1: Yeah. Especially... Like,
0: a random wing over here, so... Yeah,
1: especially when you zoom out, you can see right in front there's so many more bodies. Yeah. Like, every one of that house is dead. Um, and so the interesting thing to me is that the the finale, the, the last page of the issue, um, Harley Quinn... Blames it all on Booster Gold. You know, she says that you killed them. So I'm wondering if that's supposed to be like Booster went nuts and killed them, or which my assumption is, is that he did something which led to everyone getting killed. You might have to go back in time and. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, right.
0: I, I found. um So this was a little bit more exposition. I found it interesting, but I found it to be a lot of exposition at the same time. With Wonder Woman explaining the puddlers, Uh but um, when I first open this page and see who I think are Ma and Pa Kent and a somebody I don't recognize, and they're just they're clearly robotic in some way, I can't Mm -hmm. tell if they're cyborgs or AI. Or, but I open this page, I'm like, oh, I've missed a lot Mm -hmm. (laughs) in in this storyline because it's like I don't remember them ever those so his parents so. are dead.
1: Yeah. Um ever since the new 52, uh mompa can have been dead. And it looks like and you're not you you're not um wrong. This is all new.
0: Ah, None okay. of us knew this
1: before. We mm-hmm. we've never seen the inside of sanctuary before because it's a new thing that they've created mm-hmm. for okay. this story. So, um yeah. Every so often the last couple of months, they've sprinkling seeds about Sanctuary. Like, at the end of Flash War, Wally West goes to um, – he gets, you know, taken away to go to Sanctuary because he's so upset about losing his family. Mm. So, you know, we sort of get sprinklings like that. But we've never been here before. So, yeah.
0: I love the descriptions. I mean, the way their description of uh, – I'm guessing they're more like AI. Mm-hmm. And, but they're programmed with very specific features. Of um, Batman, Wonder Woman, and Superman. And I thought, I really, there's a part of me that really likes that, that they almost tailored their therapists or, Mm -hmm. like, programmed them in a very specific way. And there's a part of me that's, like, concerned for that at the same time. Well, it's creepy. Right. Yeah. Well, you know what I mean? Did I ever show you that article? There's this article about this. I think it was in um, IFL Science. But this, like, Japanese, I think it's in Japan, it's like a... Uh, an assisted suicide robot in mm. the shape of a panda. Oh my god! I know, and I did th- that. That's what that made me think of, and I'm like, oh, that kind of that's, that's dark. Yeah, it's it's dark. It is, it's yeah. dark.
1: But yeah, I think this is great. I, I can't wait for the rest of the series. I hope it continues along this path and is um, still just as interesting. I'm very excited about this. Yeah,
0: um, I'm really hoping because this is uh, one of nine. I always have a dilemma at the end of the story. It's like, am I, you know, about was it like the full story? Was it satisfying or Mm -hmm. will it leave me like upset or, but I feel like I, I, I'm so excited to read the rest of this as well. So,
1: all right. So the last book that we're going to talk about from this week is doomsday clock. Number seven from DC comics. And let's see, Doomsday Clock, DC has this to say about it, the critically acclaimed team of writer Jeff Johns and artist Gary Frank continue the groundbreaking miniseries bringing the world of Watchmen to DC. In this chapter, the truth behind Dr. Manhattan's curiosity with the DC Universe is revealed as the planet teeters on the edge of the Super War. So, every single person on this show has absolutely loved issues one through six of Doomsday Clock, but... We've all sort of also been going, where is this headed? What is the point of this story? We thought we would be getting more out of it by this point in the tale. It seems to be just a lot of setup. And so here we finally start to get some answers. Because ever since the rebirth happened, and it was sort of quote unquote revealed that Dr. Manhattan may or may not be behind the New 52, and it wasn't really all just about Flashpoint. Uh, And he's been doing all this stuff. Rebirth has been about discovering what the Watchmen have to do with the DC universe changing. And so here it's actually revealed that, yep, we were right. It was Dr. Manhattan. It wasn't a big mystery. And uh, basically we have uh, all of the characters finally starting to come together in a more cohesive plot. And we've got Dr. Manhattan, the new Rorschach. Uh, the Joker is there Batman Adrian Vite, the comedian uh, the mime and the marionette are all finally coming together and shit starts to hit the fan and we start to get Some answers. So basically, what it seems like is after 1985, Watchmen, Dr. Manhattan left. He blinked himself out of existence in that universe and decided to come to the DC universe where he started tinkering with things. And the first thing we have in the the beginning of this issue is a description of how Scott Allen, the original Green Lantern, wound up surviving a plane i'm um, sorry a train crash in 1940 and he finds the original green lantern which gives him powers and all that sort of stuff and that's sort of how we get the justice league the justice society of america back in the 40s and basically it's revealed that one of the things that dr manhattan did was go back to this point in time and just nudge the lantern out of alan scott's way so he dies in the train crash and there's no Justice Society. So that's the reason that, you know, ever since the new 52, we haven't had a Justice Society in the DC universe. And it was because Dr. Manhattan just tinked the, the Green Lantern out of the way just by an inch. So um, that that's kind of one of the big revelations in this series. Um, but the rest of it is just so much fun. I really enjoy the Joker in this. I think that Jeff Johns and Gary Frank's version of the Joker in this is really awesome. It's very reminiscent of Alan Moore's Joker from the killing joke. Um, just the way he's written and specifically the way he's drawn his haircut, his facial expressions is very Brian Boland, who is the artist of that. So yeah, I think this is finally ramping up. Um, we're, we're starting to get some answers. It's starting to head in a direction and, um, I'm very excited about it. Uh, I think this is a bucket of fun and uh, I can't wait to read the, you know, the, the finale. I, I'm, I'm we still have what, this is seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, five 10, 11, five more goddamn issues. So it'll be another year before it's finished, but boy, howdy. I love it. You know, one of the things that I had seen online, I was talking with somebody on Facebook, Bob Kolb, and he was saying that between doomsday clock and heroes in crisis, that the DC universe is way too dark right now, blah, blah, blah. Um, And he was kind of comparing it to Zack Snyder's DC movies. But I think the difference here is that these are really well thought out and very well constructed, and they're dealing with themes, but while keeping the true to the characters. I feel like Superman is still Superman, yada, yada, Um, whereas Zack Snyder's vision of Superman is not quite in line with, I think, most people's vision of superman is um so yeah oh the other thing about this is the the the, i was wondering what the motivation for dr manhattan was going to be because he's an omnipotent character who sees time at all points he has access to all of time whenever he wants he experiences it simultaneously right but the the neat little thing that they did here is that When he looks into the future, when he experiences the future, he gets as far as Superman briskly walking up to him and is about to deck him in the face. And then at that moment, he can no longer see anything that happens after that point. So if you you want to get Dr. Manhattan involved in something, it it has to be his curiosity because there's no way to really manipulate him as a character because he's kind of omniscient, right? So I, I thought that was a neat thing too, to get him to add a level of mystery to the series by having him not be able to see past a certain extent. Now they had done that in the original Watchmen; He wasn't able to see the giant cataclysmic event because of, um, uh, certain factors, um, and the, his own radiation and all that sort of stuff. So, um, anyway, that was just a nice little tidbit that I thought was really cool, but yeah, I hope you guys are reading this book. Um, write us in and let us know what you think of it. Uh, I also really love Mime and Marionette. I'm glad that they're going to be sticking around afterwards. So, yeah. uh, Sushan, I didn't bother having Sushan read this one because it's issue seven and it's very convoluted and there's so much stuff to catch up on that I didn't even bother. But the cool thing is, is that because I own a comic shop and my delivery came today, which is Monday... Uh, we have all of this week's books already. So we decided to take a look at Blackbird Issue 1 from Image Comics, and it's written by Sam Humphreys with art by Jen Bartel. Image has this to say about it. An all-new, ongoing series from fan-favorite writers Sam Humphreys of Harley Quinn and Nightwing and red-hot artist Jen Bartel in this neo Noir Fantasy Nina Rodriguez is positive that a secret magic world ruled by ruthless cabals is hidden just beneath the veneer of LA. The problem? Everyone thinks she's crazy. The bigger problem? She's not crazy. She's right. Can she unravel the mystery before the great beast catches up with her? Question mark. So the first thing I notice when I pick up Blackbird number 1 is the Fiona Staples cover and the coloring Oh, man. Um, It looks like Fiona Staples is sort of doing the same color palette that Jen Bartel uses a lot. Uh, So it's very striking. There's a lot of neon, a lot of hot pink, a lot of blue. Uh, Gorgeous cover. That's the first thing I see. Bright yellow Blackbird text. It looks great. I I feel like uh, people are definitely going to see this sitting on the shelf. And the story is pretty good i don't think there's anything in here that i haven't seen before uh it's very reminiscent of a couple of things but uh i feel like it all works together to be cohesive and interesting enough that i'm definitely going to keep reading it um basically we've got this girl and she reminds me of from the books and the tv show the magicians there is a specific character who she goes to Breakbills, the school, and takes the magic test and fails and doesn't get in. And then they wipe her memory. But she's 100% – She's I'm sorry, not 100%. But she's, like, very certain that there is magic in the world. She's got this inkling, this feeling. Um, she can't seem to find it. Her whole story arc is trying to discover magic in the world and learn it by herself without going to the magic school. So I feel like that has a lot in common with this main character. Um, what did you think about this
0: i love this the i from i love both fiona staples and jen Bartel, and was like so excited to see the art and i am partial to this because i love all the indie stuff
1: mm-hmm. well it's okay. an image book so yeah uh yeah it's right up your wait. alley yes
0: exactly i love image image is my favorite mm-hmm. no offense to the other <laughs> no they're putting out the best <laughs>
1: comics you're right you're not you're not wrong yeah
0: and just, like, I just think the stories are always, I don't know, to me, they're more fun. Mm-hmm. Just so much more fun. This, oh, man, there's this one page, the first page of um, the main character as an adult. Yes. Yeah. Um, so 10 years after the incident was just so gorgeous. A friend of ours uh, comments on how um, she'll watch Jen Bartel videos on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, meditative just to watch her draw hair. And yeah. I completely agree because, and as a stylist, I'm completely... Mm-hmm
1: partial to people who can do hair well (laughs) yeah i feel like uh aesthetically there's a lot of wicked and divine yes Uh, i feel like there's a lot in common with that as well Uh, another book that looks gorgeous all the time yes so yeah i think the only thing i would say about jen partell's um comic booking is that she's really really good at faces and hair and um females in general but i feel like some of her positioning her posing is a little stiff um, it, mm. it it doesn't really feel naturalistic as such, but that's all things that she will get much much better at as she you know continues to to develop her craft. Um, because I, I don't I don't I haven't seen that much comic book work from her. I see mostly pinups mm. and really beautiful poster work. Um, so yeah, but no, this is that's that's a I'm nitpicking mm-hmm. terribly. Uh, <laughs> I think this is a really fun book, and I think it looks gorgeous. Yes.
0: I'm excited. I'm, I was uh, – I like the whole story so far. I'm excited to read more. I love the monsters and all the magical beings in it. Mm-hmm. I loved uh, – even from the opening page where – um She's there with her cat sister. and her, well, her sister, more importantly, the cat and the sweatshirt <laughs> just, like, hanging out. I'm like, I like this girl.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so she's had a premonition that there's going to be a massive earthquake, and nobody believes her, but she's already, she's got her backpack on, she's got her sweatshirt up, she's got the cat inside the sweatshirt with its head poking out, mm-hmm. she's ready to bolt. And, of course, no one believes her, but, the, of course, the earthquake happens, they run under a bridge, her and her sister run under a bridge, and... Uh, are saved by a giant blue lion dragon dragon creature, like huge. It holds up the bridge to protect them. Um, and then, of course, she wakes up the next morning thinking it was all a dream, but still feeling like maybe it wasn't. And she she feels kind of certain that there's magic out there, but she's not quite sure well, there how are... to how to contact it.
0: Right, but she I mean she did have the little tell of the matchbook. From the, yeah, from the dream. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah,
1: I don't want to give too much away about this. I just thought we we should touch on it since it's coming out next uh, this upcoming Wednesday. But yeah. I'm hoping the
0: whole series stays as fun as this first. You know, like mm-hmm. I a, sometimes a first issue is is tough. It's yeah. like the first episode of a TV show too. It's mm-hmm. like have the characters gotten their bearings and like are they grounded and. Mm-hmm. Is there enough of a story to keep up with it? Yeah. And I feel like I'm intrigued and I want to keep reading.
1: I feel like if you like witchy stuff, if you like Wicked and Divine, if you like Wayward by Jim Zub, um, those sorts of comics, I feel like this is 100% up your alley. Um, and it's a good, it's not really, it's not witchy and it doesn't feel like a spooky October book. Do you know what I mean? It, it even though it comes out in October and it's about magic and, wit- and, you know, I don't, I guess it's not really witchy, but like magic and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really feel like October. It doesn't really, because it's in no, LA. Not yet. So, of course, no, there's, there's no. There's a black
0: cat. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> so,
1: yeah, I think like if you're into that sort of stuff, though, this would be right up your alley and I would definitely check it out. Yeah. So. And it's beautiful. It's yeah. just beautiful to look at. <laughs>
0: um,
1: so, yeah, I guess that's it. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it was supposed to be a really short episode, but we're already at 52 minutes so uh whoops but um thank you so much for joining us you can email us at cultpopgo at gmail.com if you have anything to say to sly uh feel free to send that there as well she'll get it there um you can go to my patreon at patreon slash johnny destructo if you want to throw in thank you grace i have another patron uh she just started donating so thank you grace gordon who's been on the show before that's amazing um so yeah uh i guess that's it thanks sly Thank you. Yeah. Happy anniversary. Yay, we did it. <laughs> Yay. High five. All right, thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk at you later. Thanks so much for listening to Spoiler Alert. Check
0: out all our shows, including the Cannibal Horror cast, where we review classic and contemporary horror. Oh, it's so spooky. And Gutter Talk with the Black Tribbles, recorded live every week at Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex in Nanyang, PA.
1: Yeah. 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 This is where